help them see all sides of what's going to be required for them to achieve the outcomes they're being asked to procure. You're listening to the Audible Ready Podcast, the show that helps you and your teams sell more faster. We'll feature sales leaders sharing their best insights on how to create a sales engine that helps you fuel repeatable revenue growth. Presented by the team at Force Management, a leader in B2B sales effectiveness. Let's get started. Thank you for joining us for the Audible Ready Podcast. I'm Rachel Klapmiller, joined today by Tim Cato. Hello, Tim. Hello, Rachel. How are you? I am doing well, and I hope you are. As many of you know, Tim is our uh, resident expert at force management in negotiation. He has worked with some of the largest companies in the world on both the buyer and the seller side. And today we're going to tackle a topic that many of us struggle with, and that's dealing with procurement. How do you find success with procurement? It is the most frequently asked question we have anytime we have Tim on a webinar or on a podcast. So we're gonna tackle it today. And there are a lot of misconceptions about procurement. And Tim, I know you say, if you understand procurement, where they're coming from, they can be a lot easier to deal with, to manage in your negotiation process. Yeah, and you know, the key words you just said there, Rachel, are misconceptions. Yes. And the misperceptions that go along with those. And the key to working more effectively with buying professionals is to understand where they're coming from and understand their role in the organization and frankly break through these misconceptions that actually get in the way of effectively negotiating with them and through them so you know let let, let me just lay a couple things for foundation out first of all rachel in today's complex organizations that most of our customers are If there is a formal procurement process and formal procurement organization, the thing we all need to understand is they are nothing more than another key influencer in uh, us doing business with that customer, right? They're not a necessary evil. They're not a roadblock. They're not the last step I have to deal with. They are key influencers. Well, what do they influence? Think about it, Rachel. They're the only ones in their organization that have the formal responsibility to manage the buying process. That's their job. So, you know, their internal customers go to them for guidance on how is this supposed to get done. We've got a lot of sellers that try and figure out the decision process and try and do that independent of talking to the people whose job it is to manage the whole thing. So if you just look at them as key influencers in that buying process, right? They're not necessarily influencing what gets bought, what they influence and what they, it is their job to control how it gets done. So if you have that in mind, then there's two misperceptions that you gotta step up to. Misperception number one, procurement or professional buyers, they're the enemy. You know, contrary to popular belief, you know, procurement is not where good deals go to die. It is not their job to cause us to lose our deal. That's not what they do. Yes, a lot of them have a lot of experience in buying all the time. They are professionals at what they do, but understand what their job is. Their job is to secure something that would be of value to their organization, right? 
And as a result, one version of something that would be valuable to their organization would be to get it for the best price, but that's just one interest. Per misperception number two, Rachel, all they care about is price. No, what they care about is not buying a mistake. Now, paying too much for something, that's a version of a mistake, but so is buying an incomplete solution. So is buying something where we haven't thought through the downstream integration challenges or the downstream service and support requirements. So there's a lot that goes into them not buying a mistake. And our two misperceptions of they're the enemy and they only care about price, those are gonna get in the way of working with them most effectively. Yeah, and I know you've said before, uh, a lot of sales organizations make it easy for them to drive the conversation down to price. So if you're doing your job, you can circumvent that. So let's walk through a few tips here. The first one, like anything with negotiation, uh, Tim, you always say to uh, bring in procurement or professional buyers in early in the process. Yeah, absolutely. And there, this has so many benefits, Rachel. You know, the problem is frequently if we see procurement or professional buyers, the enemy, we want to hold off interaction with them till the end. till we've got some kind of a structured deal that we're going to be now working through the final parts of the agreement on. The problem with that approach is missed opportunity to engage with them early, not to position our solution. That's not what we do early. We wanna understand that process that they believe they're managing. Believe it or not, Rachel, a lot of times our end user customers or our contacts that we've been working on, you know, to shape how we can respond to their needs, don't always understand their own internal processes. We see this all the time, Rachel, when one of our champions moves from company A to company B, and they were really useful in company A, and we assume they know the same thing about company B, where they've been for two weeks. You know? and, and ironically, they might not know there's different protocols in place, there's different requirements in place, there's a different approval process, and getting to the procurement folks early just to understand the process they believe they're managing. They actually typically appreciate that. Now, they're not used to that approach, Rachel. So <laughs> you call them up and say, hey, I'd like to meet with you. We're at the beginning stages of working with your organization. They think we're like everyone else. And they say, it's too early for me to talk to you. It's like, well, yes, about the solution, I agree, or the negotiation. I simply want to understand the decision process. I want to understand what are the things you're eventually going to have to see and others in the approval process are going to have to see for us to move forward. And I thought I'd just understand that up front. What you're going to find, Rachel, they'll step back a little bit. They'll be surprised by that because they haven't seen that before. And what a great way to demonstrate to them, this is what it's going to be like when you work with us. We'll understand each other. Now, I'm not agreeing to their process in this. I'm just trying to understand it. So, you know, looking at that, um, actually provides a lot of value in your interaction with them downstream, but also helps you triangulate what you've been uh, told about the decision process, sometimes from people that really don't know the full decision process. Right, ex exactly. And you always say, Tim, there's as much differentiation in how you sell as there is in what you sell. And um, getting to procurement early can help differentiate you. Big time, big time. And 
with negotiation, right, we call it value negotiation because that value is so important, especially when you're working with professional buyers who are trying not to make a buying mistake. What is the value that they're going to get from, from this solution? So that defining that value means you as a salesperson need to understand what's needed for the business and triangulate, you know, all those needs that you had spoke about earlier that to get the version of the truth to what's needed for this business so you can help procurement see the value. Yep. You know, Rachel, on uh, the professional buyer side, they're dealing with organizations sometimes as complex as ours. You know, if you put yourself in their shoes, they have a really challenging task. They have to satisfy the interest of all their internal customers one of which might be the person we're dealing with or the function we're dealing with to bring in some new kind of capability, right? But they're also got an internal customer known as the CFO. They also may have an internal customer known as legal. They may also have an internal customer known as operations or IT. So they're trying to manage all those different interests on their side. And believe me, their task is every bit as challenging as ours when we're trying to align all those interests. The thing is, we do it from a sales interest. They do it because it's their job. And as a result, you can imagine across all those different functional groups and maybe multiple individuals within each group, there's a lot of definition of value. So one of the things we, and, and oh, by the way, all those pro, uh, professional buyers, procurement folks, Rachel, they have their own set of KPIs or performance you know, indicators right. that they're managing to. So there's a lot of fuzziness as it relates to the definition of value. And when there is confusion, a natural human reaction is to try and drive simplicity into that. So if they don't fully understand the full scope of value because there's so much you know, discord in, in, in their own organization, they'll typically default to the simplest version which are their own KPIs, or the high-level strategic priorities their chain of command has told them are important. So part of what we do in getting to them early, before in the final stages of you know, negotiating back and forth, I like to meet with them to see, first of all, how they're currently defining value, which is usually representative of their key internal customers, their own KPIs, and any kind of strategic guidance they've been given. I wanna see what their version of good looks like, what value looks like. And if I do that well, I typically have an opportunity to maybe expand their definition of value, to say something like, wow, that's really helpful. I do appreciate you sharing that with me. However, I'm surprised you didn't mention anything in there about um, ongoing support or you didn't mention anything in there about measuring the impact, or you didn't say anything in there about integration. And if we figured those questions out in advance, because we know they're probably not thinking about it, what a great way to have them say, that's a good point. I'm gonna bring that up to uh, you know the internal team I'm working with to see where those things fit in there. They might not agree to it, but what have I just done? Well, those that have been through uh, value negotiation with us, Rachel, know I've just done some anchoring to expand the definition of value. They're much more likely to consider expanding it early 
then they are late. When we try and do it late, they think we're trying to do some tactical sales thing to them. And human reaction is to resist that. Right. And, you know, as you're talking about value, you don't want to let that value creep out of the conversation because it really goes to that point that your professional buyers don't want to make a mistake. Absolutely. You know, and, and remember it's their job. Once a, you know, vendor or solution provider has been selected by the user group, their internal customers, it's their job to mitigate the risk associated with that. You know, and it is their responsibility. And look at how the thing, you know, the, the, the cascade of blame when it doesn't go well. Let's say somebody did buy a mistake. The end user says, how was I to know that there was some legal term in their contract that I didn't fully understand? Isn't that your job procurement? And procurement looks at that. And then they turn around to the selling organization. They say, how is it that you allowed me <laughs> to say yes to this, knowing that this one legal term was in there and it was going to be challenging in our use case? Guess what? Mistakes always flow back to the selling organization, Rachel, no matter how many times we tell them up front. So it's my job to participate with them in that minimizing the risk. Now, the better way to look at that, Rachel, is not to, you know, you know, avoid the blame if something goes wrong. The better part of this is really all about how do we expand that definition of good by helping them think through things they might not have the subject matter expertise to understand, like a legal term, or they might not understand the implications to integration, or they might not understand the compliance risk they would be accepting with a different, uh, you know, solution. So, so, you know, this is where their focus on minimizing risk actually aligns with ours. And, you know, we got to take into account that's organizational, that's functional. It's also personal for them. Right. So, you know, this is a, this is a big part of, you know, why that interaction with them is so important to make sure that we're helping them minimize the risk associated with going with us. And you know, what better way to demonstrate our differentiation and you know, why we're that long-term partner we say we're going to be. And you know, this idea of value is so, so important, especially when you're in those late stages of your sales process. And it's really difficult to create value in those late stages. This is something that, this is why we say start early because you want to yep. create the value before you divide it. I've heard you say that before, Tim. Absolutely. And you know, like it or not, Rachel, when you look at buying theory, buying best practice, you know, one of the things you try to do, if you have options across multiple splash, if, if what you buy on a daily basis you've got options in the marketplace. What you have been taught to do is try and drive the negotiation down to points of commonality, right? And in doing so, you may unknowingly be de-emphasizing something that could represent a big risk or could represent a breakthrough opportunity for your organization because one of those four potential suppliers actually has something that uh, the other three don't. Well, you've been taught to drive towards common denominators, which means you exclude that one item, right? 
And this is where us working with them up front, expanding the definition of value, this is the idea of treating sales negotiation as a two-step process. Create value first, divide value second. In other words, expand that view of what value could be, especially around those issues that some of our differentiators can impact that others don't. And rather than have in the interest of you know, fairness of evaluation in the interest of commonality of evaluation, we actually help that professional buyer understand there are some uniqueness to their situation that requires some uniqueness to the solutions they're considering so they don't unintentionally miss that. That's where create value comes in, Rachel. Help them see all sides of what's gonna be required for them to achieve the outcomes they're being asked to procure. And then once we get that all on the table, it's a lot easier to figure out, you know, move the slider bar and what level of each one of these things are we gonna to agree to because we've got it out there early as opposed to the end, they think we're trying to, you know, add fluff into the deal or trying to do some kind of tactical thing to, to minimize their and weaken their position. Yeah. I, I know, Tim, it sounds so easy when we talk about it on a podcast. It's, it's a bit more difficult when you're doing it in, in real life. And we do empathize with everybody on that grind every, every day trying to make your numbers each quarter. But I think with all of this, as you've talked, there's two more major points that will make that conversation easier with procurement. First, understand the value to all parties, right? What is, what is the value created and how are you capturing it? And second, start early. Treat negotiation as a process that's equipped with a strategy and make sure you know that strategy. Absolutely. And then, you know, it goes back to that idea of alignment, have a plan, know what you're likely dealing with. But, you know, Rachel, I go into this with a mindset as well. So it's not just the best practices starting early and the things to focus on, expand the value, mitigate the risk, understand their process. There's also a mindset that goes with this. And I want you to think about it from the perspective of this is a net new customer. We've likely been telling their organization for sometimes months, we're the organization they want to partner with. Working with us is different. We care about the long-term relationship, right? And the first chance we have to demonstrate what that relationship is going to be like when you work with us is the negotiation. Now, I want you to think about this. What if we take an old-school negotiating approach that's driven by tactics and misinformation you know, we put some huge offer in knowing that we're eventually now have the ability to come down on price or scope. And we did that intentionally. Guess what we're teaching them about what that relationship is going to be like. It's going to be based on tactics, misinformation, pressure, you know, wow, that is not the kind of relationship I want to get in long term. So I want this first demonstration of what the relationship is going to be with us to be a differentiated experience as well. So that's the other thing I would say there, Rachel. That's the mindset. And it goes back to something you said before. I can differentiate who we are, what it's gonna be like working with us, as much by the way I interact with the customer as what I'm gonna be selling them. And in this case, by the way we negotiate. And trust me, 
they don't have high expectations of selling organizations in the negotiation. When we show up with a strategy, when we spend time expanding the definition of value, we highlight things they hadn't thought of. We work to understand their process. We work with them to mitigate their risk or chances of buying a mistake. They'll notice that as different. And wow, think about that, what that does to the subsequent negotiations we'll do over the life cycle of our relationship with that customer. So the mindset piece is every bit as important as the strategy piece, Rachel. Yeah, that's a great place to, to leave it. Tim, thank you so much for sharing your procurement expertise with us today. Thank you much, Rachel. <laughs> and to all of you listening out there, be sure to check out the show notes. We have a lot of value negotiation resources that we've linked up there. There's some great stuff from Tim in there that will help you as you try to capture the value in your deals. Thank you to all of you for listening. At Force Management, we're focused on transforming sales organizations into elite teams. Our proven methodologies deliver programs that build company alignment and fuel repeatable revenue growth. Give your teams the ability to execute the growth strategy at the point of sale. Our strength is our experience. The proof is in our results. Let's get started. Visit us at forcemanagement.com. You've been listening to the Audible Ready Podcast. To not miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. Until next time.